Panda acknowledges the traditional owners of the land where we work and live. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We celebrate the stories, culture and traditions of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Elders of all communities, who also work and live on this land. Today's episode was produced on the lands of the Yiraganji, Jabagai, Wajagnunga, Ghana, Jagara, Yagara and Yugarapur peoples. You know, having gone through such a difficult period, we had a NICU baby, I had a traumatic birth, my mental health was really um, on the downward spiral in those early weeks and months. So um, the relationship wasn't functional for a really long time. So I guess I felt like I was a single parent um, from the get-go. And and you don't have that kind of history of relationship where you can survive those really tough periods. Yeah, just the... Just the thought of it, really, it felt quite daunting and it's not supposed to be this way and can't anything just work out. Julia's relationship ended just after her daughter was born and the whole process was really quite overwhelming. We all have those new parent moments where you feel totally isolated, like it's just you and this little life you've created alone against the world. And when you're doing things on your own, without a partner or a community around you, you'd imagine that feeling is intensified tenfold. Except that when you really think about it, there's so many different ways to parent outside traditional models that we're all taught to work within. And when you find yourself as a single mum or dad, you've got to rethink how all the standard advice actually applies to you. And in lots of ways, you've got to build your own path forward. I'm Gia, and this is Survive and Thrive, a podcast from Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Australia, who you probably know as Panda. You're about to hear from Audrey and Julia, two mums who have found so much joy in parenting solo and choosing the people who are in their community of care. So what does this all look like when you're navigating co-parenting, squeezing in self-care and trying to be the best parent you can be? For Julia, when she became a mother, her work took on a whole new meaning. After having my little girl, I realised how hard it is to be a parent, especially being a single parent. And there were some things that I thought that would have been really helpful if I had known that or um, had been educated in that way or had had support in this sort of way. Um, So I decided to start my own little business, providing support to mums um, in that postpartum period, really focusing on that um, transition and how difficult that can be and how we can make that a little bit more manageable and also understanding Um, babies and infant mental health and um, how we can see their behaviours through a a normal perspective as opposed to I'm doing something wrong or I'm not a good mum. So just really helping mums in that sort of way, uh, which I love doing. Wow, that sounds super interesting. I think all all mums could do with a bit of a course in that would be really, really helpful. Um, Julia, before you fell pregnant, had you given much thought to becoming a parent? No. <laughs> it was one of those, I think I'll do it one day. Um, but my little girl was a surprise baby. So there was not much thought at all that went into that. And um, yeah, I think probably that's why some things really hit me quite hard because I didn't really have that time to uh, think about what I'd be like as a mom or what it would be like to have a baby. It was always one of those things that I know I want to do, but um, some stage in the future. What did you imagine motherhood might be like? 
Uh, <laughs> it's funny, isn't it? You have all those cliche images about it being really, um, really beautiful and really nice and loving your baby and just cuddling them. Um, and my reality was very, very different. Um, I guess as a function of um, it being an unplanned baby, as a function of it being within a new relationship, um, and also because um, when I was about 20 weeks pregnant, when we had the big um, anatomy scan, found out that she had a heart defect. So that really changed the course of my pregnancy and my sort of um, picturing for how this was going to be and how it was going to look in the early days. Yeah, that must have been terrifying to find that out at, at that scan. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't great. Um, the prognosis was always like fairly good, but you never know and um, there's a lot of unknowns and it's not really something that you want to navigate. You just assume you're going to have a healthy baby. So when you get hit with that, it obviously really changes the trajectory of your pregnancy and your headspace as well. A lot of the time you were dealing with this on your own. Um, you were in a relationship when you fell pregnant, but when when did that end? So it ended when she was about five months old. So I guess, you know, having gone through such a difficult period, we had a NICU baby, I had a traumatic birth. My mental health was really um, on the downward spiral in those early weeks and months. So um, the relationship wasn't functional for a really long time. So I guess I felt like I was a single parent Um from the get-go and and you don't have that kind of history of relationship where you can survive those really tough periods. Um, But yeah, she was five months old. So that was, it was pretty tough. Yeah. Just the, just the thought of it really, it felt quite daunting and it's not supposed to be this way and can't anything just work out. You know, just that kind of story that you tell yourself, I guess, given the backstory that I already had through this period. And in a sense, it was kind of um, empowering and a bit of relief that I'd made this decision and I feel like this is the right decision and um, we will be okay. But obviously lots of unknowns and trying not to project too far into the future about how this is going to look and how this might work and um, what's going to happen. Yeah, I think the unknowns probably was the hardest part for me, which is all mums experience that sort of feeling of unknowns. Yeah, so I guess it's common to motherhood in general. Who were the people who rallied around you during those really low moments? Um, I'm really lucky just as a function of being a social worker that heaps of my mates are, I call them shrinks, but um, my friend, you know, lots (laughs) of my friends are social workers and psychologists and a lot of my friends had um, little kids or young babies so they knew exactly what it was like. Um, and had the skill set to kind of prop me up emotionally. Um, In a practical sense, my parents have been amazing. So they really helped me out. Um, You know, at the moment, my little girl is with my parents and I wouldn't be able to kind of work and do what I'm doing without their help and support. I moved into their home for about a month after we separated just because I didn't want to feel like I was by myself. I think probably that witching hour, that nighttime dinner time where you really just don't want to be alone, you're already tired and you're staring down the kind of how is this night going to go and how much sleep am I going to get and that kind of projection of what's going to happen and how am I going to survive this. So just having some company, particularly because I'm such an extrovert, made a really big difference for me. What other things did you do to help your mental health during that time? I think just thinking about what are my needs and what sort of a person am I and 
what do I feel has really changed in my life since becoming a mum? Probably one of the biggest ones was being at work and being surrounded by people. So I really tried to create a community around me in my local area. So go down to the little coffee shop every day and grab a coffee. You start to see the same people. There's a park across the road. You meet other mums. Just those little things where you're connecting with others and you don't feel so isolated really made a big difference. And you know, doing different things with Nina. There's loads of things you can do with baby, um, even low cost and free stuff uh, for finance, for mums where financials are an issue. Just going to the library um, were really nice things to do. What would you say to other parents who perhaps are embarking on a solo parenting journey and are feeling pretty terrified? I would probably think about, this is something I've actually given a lot of thought to lately because one of my my good friends has become a single mum. I've thought about what, you know, what are your needs and how can we meet these? How can we meet these while still being a parent? Because if we're waiting for that time alone from our kids, sometimes that's just not practical, especially with a little baby. Um, and you can still take care of yourself with a little baby. It's just going to look a little bit differently. Um, so just being a bit creative about that, I think. Um, and most importantly, having a lot of self-compassion. So um, the stories you tell yourself about yourself as a mum really matter and are really important, particularly for your mental health um, and your expectations of your baby and and how they behave and how they are, how the house looks. Um, We really need to be really realistic and kind to ourselves when we're reflecting on these things. Yeah, and you really need that compassion, don't you, because you can't be everything to your child all at once. I think a lot of parents and particularly single parents might feel like that's quite a hard task, Um, but it's absolutely not about being all things to all people. It's not about being perfect. It's not about always having your baby with you. It's not about fretting if they cry because the reality is of when you're by yourself that they might cry a little bit more than if you had a partner there um, because you need to go to the toilet, for example, or get a drink of water. And and that's okay. Your baby will be okay. It's not about being perfect or doing that all of the time. Um, the studies show that really only 30% of the time um, and just, you know, it's what we all want for our kids. We all want them to be happy and we all want them to have mates and healthy relationships as adults and have a fulfilling life. Um, so that, I guess, is what it's about for me. Yeah. Oh, that's wonderful. It's such important work that you're doing. And I think that 30% line is something that sticks with me Hold always. Hold on to that. Yeah, <laughs> I've exactly. heard that a lot. I'm like, I just live by that. <laughs> if I'm doing an okay job 30% of the time, then that, that's okay. You're all good. You are all good. You're covered. <laughs> I feel like it kind of evens out. Does that even out over the week? <laughs> you might be 80% one day and then like, yeah, maybe 10% the next. <laughs> we all run out of spoons, don't we? Mm, totally. Yeah. It's a tough gig, whether you're doing it by yourself or with other people. It's It's the hardest job and it's it can be a really thankless job. Um, it's not very well paid. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's tough, yeah. Julie is saying what we all think. Most days, it's tough. And if you're going down the parenting road without a partner, there's extra complexity to deal with. But there's also some really beautiful bonds that you form, like Audrey and her four-year-old son, Raphael. I think... You know, sometimes we get along so well and we can flow so well and other times we can just clash a lot. And, you know, I I always tell him since he was small, like, this is the first time that you're doing this with me and this is my first time doing this with you. Like, 
Can we, let's help each other. Can we work it out? And yeah, once the emotions pass and, you know, the situation kind of simmers down, then we can, you know, we have good communication and he'll tell me sometimes in the night, mom, you know, I didn't like the way that he said this. I'm like, yeah, I know. (laughs) I was feeling this, but I'll do better next time. It's like, okay, you're responsible for how you react and I'm responsible for how I react and we can help each other. So yeah, being gentle with myself, I think helps a lot and apologizing, you know, like, okay, I didn't mean to, you know, get upset because I know that's not what I would want you to do in this situation, but also I'm dealing with these things and yeah, also, you know, to the level that he's able to understand and, and, put it in a in a story kind of way so that he can like digest it. So how did you feel when you found out you were pregnant? I definitely felt confused. I felt like this was a crossroads and that I like it's an important decision to make and you know if I decide to do it then I'm deciding to do it well and considering the options of um how it's going to work out with um, my son's father and kind of just having all the the outcomes and being like, is it worth, you know, is it worth it? And at that time, it was, wor- it was worth it. I feel where I was in my life, I gained a lot of purpose in becoming a mother. It was very challenging to have to let go of, a, of you know, how I used to be able to do things because I feel in a way when you become a mother, like you are reborn and everything you could do before, you can't do that anymore. <laughs> you have to find a new way to do it with your child. <laughs> like, so it's like essentially like being born again. You have to relearn all the things you, you could do before. How did you feel then about going into parenthood on your own once you got through the pregnancy? What did you think that was going to be like? I think I didn't think about it for as long as possible. <laughs> So in the beginning, um, my son's father was around. I decided that we would move up to far north Queensland um, with him because my family is here and I couldn't imagine raising a child without, you know, my mum and dad being around because, yeah, they were just, I just had such a beautiful childhood. Like I have three siblings and, yeah, I feel very grateful for the way that I was brought up and I feel like I want to share some of that and also this, this place I feel very connected to Cairns it's got so much beautiful nature and I just think you know what can you do with a child except (laughs) take them to beautiful places and just relax. (laughs) What was your community of care like in the early days? Um, So when my son was one month old I decided yeah we drove made a trip in a van from Melbourne to Cairns so that was really nice because you know in the in that first those first like four to six how weeks. Old was, how old was Raphael? Sorry? He, he was one month old. And you went in a van from Melbourne to Cairns. Yes. Wow. Well, we took oh like... Oh my goodness, hats off to like, you. Yeah, but it was actually great because we took like four or five weeks to, to get there. It was just before Christmas. So we we're going to go, you know, see my family for Christmas. And it was nice because the babies sleep. We're in a beautiful place. <laughs> you can relax. And then drive to the next place, do all the things, <laughs> drive again. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I, no I wonder Raphael's so chilled now because I think that's <laughs> that's amazing. Not many yeah. people would just up and leave their living room, let alone drive, you know, around Australia. Yeah. Well, I did. I did that 
a lot in the beginning where I took a lot of rest when he when he rested I was always resting so it was good and yeah and then when I came to Cairns my um, elder brother also had just had a baby so he's got a cousin two months older than him and we were at my parents house enjoying Christmas and yeah it was it just all flowed together. It was re- really, really nice. And then we ended up meeting a bunch of um, young parents as well with their babies in, in Karanda, which is kind of like a hill little village. It's very sweet up there. And so we made lots of, yeah, community up there, sharing dinners and sharing just thoughts and tips and things like that. It was really, really good. And what was your experience like with a mother's group? We have this beautiful mother's group in Cairns called Namumu and it's um, some First Nations um, women of colour organising like weekly kind of workshops and we were making like sewing dolls and embroidering things and weaving together and there's toys and, and things for the kids to play with. There's lots of different ages but it was focused on the first 1,000 days after after birth wow. and yeah, just really beautiful to to be around other mums with young children and they would make us like beautiful lunch, like sop sop and damper and <laughs> things like this. Wow, that's like, so beautiful. It was so nice. Like you take for granted, you know, the effort it takes to, you know, make yourself and your child lunch and to sit there and eat, eat it by yourself versus, you know, being in a room full of you know, like-minded mothers with other children and then some, you know, some lovely women taking care and making food. And it, it was just really nourishing and exactly what, what mums need. That sounds beautiful. And how did you feel as a single parent in that group? Did you feel welcome? Did you at times feel like, oh, you know, it's a shame I don't have someone else to kind of share the load with some of this this hard stuff? I feel like I, I don't ever openly say, oh, you know, I'm a single mum. I the the term makes me feel like, oh, I'm kind of have to be in a little box somehow, you know. But it's like I still find so much joy in in my life and in my story. And I don't think it ever really came up. Maybe my my friends that went there they knew, and I did have like another friend as well who was also a solo parent. She was going to the group and so we were kind of supporting each other. So, yeah, I think, I don't think I really felt like, oh, I'm missing something because at that time um, my son's father was, like he wasn't living in Cairns, but he was, he would still come and visit and, you know, we were still in contact with him more than we are now. So it was like just kind of this is what's happening and, I don't I don't think I let myself dwell on it because there was just so much going on and it's like this is the what I need my energy for and perhaps like later on at times if I'm by myself and he's asleep then I will process those feelings and and things like that. Of course it I'm hearing that I guess you sound very empowered by the whole process and and the fact that you have done this largely on your own. Um, do you still think there is a bit of stigma around the the term solo parenting or single parenting? Do you think perhaps society needs to look at that differently? Everyone has challenges in life and it's not about that someone's challenges are better or worse than than somebody else. Like for that person, those challenges are their challenges. So, yeah, many times I will speak to uh, another mother and, she, you know, she has a partner, but perhaps that partner is is, you know, working away most of the week. 
And so in a way, they're in a similar situation to me where they have to care for their child, um, you know, for the whole week by themselves and manage their time and manage um, all the other tasks that they need to do. That it's like, well, I, cu- I couldn't really say, yeah, but, you know, you have a partner. It's like, well, I have su- everyone has support if you want it, if you want to find it. I know for some people it's more challenging because of, of, of their life circumstances. But there's always, I always believe, like there's always help when you ask for help, when you need help. There's always something, maybe it's not exactly what you thought it was. So it's constantly like, okay, how can I re- do the best with what I have? How can I receive help? Like... I would say that the stigma is not so much on just like single parenting, but perhaps like just parenting in general, I think, like being a mother or being a father. Parents are people too. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds like you weren't ever afraid to ask for help, which is fantastic because so many people are, for whatever reason, afraid to ask for, for help when they need it. What would you say are some of the the most helpful things that people around you did to support you? I would say it's always, always the food because that's how I receive love. But yeah, <laughs> the lasagnas. That yeah, drops off. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> or Why even is it just always lasagna. Oh, I love lasagna though. Now that <laughs> it you is great, it. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All the layers of love. <laughs> it's never a salad or something, or like. Make you veg, but you know, I guess that's what we crave is carbs, isn't it? I know, right? It's the comforting thing. And I'm like, I think they say you don't make friends with salad, but you do, but lasagna <laughs> makes better friends. <laughs> yeah, I think just even just sharing time, like I think as a young mum, when you have very young children to be at home all the time, if you are at home, having people come over and, and tell you stories about their life you know, and you can remember, oh, yeah, there's a world out there outside of this little bubble. It's so nice. You're like, tell me more about these exciting things that you're doing. (laughs) I have two friends that are living very close to the place that I just moved into. Um, And I was talking to them about how I have all these things in my home that I haven't organized because I haven't lived just with my son and I. So she came and helped me organize. And then she goes there with my son and they're like, okay, where should we put this? And they're organizing while I'm making dinner. And it just almost puts me into tears. Yeah. And she's done it a few times. She just comes and she's like, we're going to clean it up. <laughs> it's, she's very sweet. How did you take care of your own mental health when you were at home? I feel what helped me the most is being creative. So... I love to sing and play guitar and that's something that I want to share with my son. And so writing songs and just singing helped me a lot, I think, as well, because you can see the, you know, the children are really responsive to, with their senses to sound and to music. And yeah, I think it would have to be singing and playing guitar that helped me many, many nights to just let out the emotion and yeah. Also to feel like you're doing, I'm doing something for myself, you know, I'm still continuing something that, that is a part of me and, and that. Mm, that's keep, so important. Yeah. Keeping those things that, that haven't changed, you know, I also lo- love reading and writing and just keeping those parts of you alive so that you have something to give to your child as well, because you can't give from, if you're empty. What would you say are some of the pros of solo parenting? I think like I don't have to deal with maybe the the turmoil of being in an intimate relationship with a child because 
it's yeah, it's a very challenging thing. Any intimacy is challenging. So it's like I only have to create the the safe intimacy with my child and he can see me having relationships with other people that are healthy, that have boundaries. What are the tough days like for you? Can you paint a picture? There has to be some days where where things aren't quite going to plan. Can you give me a, a bit of a picture of what that might look like? Yeah, I think I've been feeling it a lot lately because I just started working part-time and he, my son's been going to kindy every day. So that's been quite intense, waking him up in the morning. Sometimes he's grumpy. <laughs> Sometimes I'm grumpy. <laughs> um, yes, it looks like me getting him in the shower and him kind of just like kicking and punching around and me be like, hey, I need space, going to the bathroom and crying a little bit. <laughs> being like, I don't want to. And then I'm like, I don't want to be mad, but please don't do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then there is sometimes, you know, where you lose you lose your cool and you yell and mm-hmm. and then, you know, I always feel worse for it, but I'm always like I'm human, you're human. Yeah, how do you calm down in those moments? I think we all are doing really well, you know, we just need to stop and look and be like, look how far we've come, you know, because we we've come so far from where we were before. We're always learning and we're always improving things and we just need to like, you know, remember that there's a child inside of each of us that needs a hug sometimes and needs some recognition and attention like you're doing great, you know? It's not as it's not turning out as you planned, <laughs> but you're doing really well with it. What would your advice be to someone who might be listening who's considering embarking on a journey to becoming a parent but without a partner? I feel the most important thing to embark on that journey and any journey really is to find your reason why, you know, like why are you doing this? And if if it's a strong enough why and you feel like there's always going to be challenges, whatever road, whatever decision you take, Uh, If you have the support of your passion and and your purpose and, you know, why you're doing something and you can remember and be reminded, that's all you need. And for Julia, there really are so many moments of parenting that bring her joy. Because we do have time apart when she's with her dad or she's at school and I'm at work, just that reconnection and that real mutual joy on um, seeing each other again and, you know, the look that your child gives you or your baby gives you is just so lovely. Um, and as she gets older, her being able to articulate that verbally is is super cute. So, um, yeah, they're the things that make it worthwhile. And Audrey finds those special moments too. It's so interesting to learn my son's sense of humour. And (laughs) the other day we were driving in the car and something just falls down from the roof onto my leg and I just squealed. (laughs) And it's it's this little squishy toy that he's thrown from the back to hit the roof and I thought it was a bug or something. And just to see his face and like to laugh with him, like I think that's the best thing. It's very beautiful and and humbling as well and you realise... We all, we all had to go through this and, and the way that children learn is, is incredible. They just play and they watch and they listen and, they, and then they do it. Now, I put Audrey on the spot here when I asked her if she wouldn't mind giving us a little sneak peek of a song that she actually wrote for her son. I reckon she did a pretty amazing job. 
You know, I was thinking when I was driving here, I was like, oh, I wish I had brought my guitar because I could have played, but I could, I definitely can. <laughs> yeah, give us a little taste of what it's like. I was like, there's some that I sing to him to sleep, but this is the one that I sing. I'll just sing it from the beginning. <laughs> Otherwise, I can't sure, think you do what, where to do start. <laughs> so it's like... Pretend we're not here. <laughs> Close my eyes. Let's <laughs> all move into an ocean. Seeds sprouting from the ocean of feelings Clouded in emotion, remember what real is Put down the potion A light emerging in the darkness A fire burning with the brightness to unite the lost and broken pieces we witness and merge strength without weakness. You bring here the wisdom to see clearly. I'm dreaming that you grow dearly into your truth. That's it. I'll do that for now. <laughs> Survive and Thrive is a podcast from Panda, Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Australia, an accredited mental health service. You'll find all the links and information you need in the episode notes, wherever you're listening. But just a reminder, if you are a new or expecting parent, you can call Panda's free national helpline from Monday to Saturday on 1300 726 306. If you're experiencing a mental health crisis, call Lifeline on 13 11 14. If you're in a life-threatening emergency, call triple zero. The experts featured on this Survive and Thrive podcast are not Panda clinicians, but valued partners. Any opinions and advice is their own and not representing Panda. Panda recognises the individual and collective contributions of people with a lived or living experience of mental health issues, their families, loved ones and supporters. Every story informs how we care for people and their community. Survive and Thrive is produced by Deadset Studios for Panda, Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Australia. Don't forget there are lots more episodes in your podcast feed, so hit follow in your favourite podcast app. <laughs>